0: listening to Married to the Ministry, which is part of the Love Worth Finding podcast network. If you are a pastor's wife looking for encouragement or for practical wisdom on how to manage all the challenges of your role with a smile on your face, we're so glad you're here. This is your host, Janet Addison, and I'd like to help you embrace truths and delight in your ministry life. I've just made some yummy hot tea, so why don't you grab a cup and let's chat for a while. Well, hi, y'all, and welcome back to our Married to the Ministry podcast. You're just in time to sit in on my conversation with Malone Davidson. Hi, Malone. Hello. How are you? You doing okay today? Doing good. Doing good. It's beautiful here. Malone and I met about 25 years ago at a conference for singles pastors. And uh, both of our husbands, who are both named Greg, by the way, were leading singles ministry at the time. And the guys have kept in touch over the years, but our paths really haven't crossed since then, has it? No. Um, I guess we've been busy doing the wife and mom thing, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Takes a lot of time especially ministry. It does. It does. So where are y'all serving now? Can you tell me a little bit about where y'all are?
1: We're in our 10th year in the San Francisco Bay area and sort of the Napa wine country. Oh,
0: Um, cool. Okay.
1: And we're, my husband's a senior pastor at Trinity Baptist Church and a small town called Vacaville. Well, it's not that small, but it's about 80,000 people.
0: Well, I always like to start things off on a positive note, and so that kind of is where we're starting here. So I wondered if you could share a blessing about, or a perk or whatever, about being a pastor's wife. You know, what part of being a ministry wife delights you? Oh, let's see. Well, I know I've served in every area of the church practically
1: and from little churches to giant churches. Um, But my heart has always been really for women's ministry. And when we came here, I became the chairman of our women's ministry team. And it's really been wonderful to just love on the ladies in our church, to mentor, to discipleship, and to see them grow in the Lord. And I'm a big proponent of really investing in the next leadership. and for helping to raise up leaders and teachers for women to work in their spiritual gifts. But also importantly, we have women share their testimony at each of our events. And I feel like it's very important, you know, to make sure that people know how the women around them were saved. Oh, yeah.
0: Just is great. I'm sure that's a powerfully bonding, you know, a powerful bonding experience for your women too, as they... Kind of know more of each other's stories and their salvation journeys. And that's a cool thing to have them sharing their testimony at those kind of gatherings. Well, um, let's uh, shift to the flip side of ministry because sometimes we have struggles or challenges. <laughs> yes. So uh, maybe, maybe sort of, you know. What is one aspect of ministry life? that uh, maybe you really had to pray your way through it or maybe even just trust God to sustain you in it if that hard season hasn't passed yet, you know? Mm. Um, What kind of a, is there a difficulty or a a challenge, I'll call it a challenge, not a struggle, but a challenge that you've encountered in ministry life? Um, Probably when, you know, probably the
1: first 15 years, um, I had really... My health, I had no health issues at all. So I was always at the church with Greg and able to serve in multiple ministries and sing in the choir and um, be on a praise team, you know, teach high school students and, you know, our, we ministered together as a team. And I saw a lot of him, you know, at church. So I felt like mm-hmm. I was seeing my husband.
0: Yeah, you're doing it together.
1: Yes. And so then we moved to California and I had just had a series of health issues one after the other. And thankfully, our church has been very gracious with um, understanding my challenges where I can't always be at everything. And so probably the challenge has been not seeing my husband as much as I would like and making sure that we set apart a time, you know, each week that's our time. And some of that goes to, you know, Chapman's love languages, where mine is quality time. So, you know, I like full attention, no phone, you know, if possible. <laughs> and just the two That's of us so
0: hard for ministers oh, to put their phones down, yes. isn't it?
1: Yes. And I'm like, I'm always saying, Is it an emergency? You know, is the person right. you know, and sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. And but really most of the church knows you know, when his day is off is and they're very respectful, which is um, really, really nice. Um, But he also works a lot of hours and he works almost 80 hours a week, which is a phenomenal Mm -hmm. amount of time. Yeah. Um, And, but yet we always take our vacation and he values that, you know, that day off
0: where we get to spend time together. Mm -hmm. Um, When we were talking earlier you told me that Pastor Adrian Rogers' wife, Miss Joyce, uh, gave you some meaningful advice. So, can you share that with us? That was um, actually it was I was thinking about when that was,
1: and it was about eighteen years ago. So, I was a new mother, and Greg and I had been invited to one of their pastor and pastor's wife conferences where Dr. Rogers would talk to the men and uh, Mrs. Rogers would talk to the women. And the year I was there, there was probably only like six women that came, a bunch of pastors, but you know, obviously the women couldn't get away or couldn't find babysitters or um, it was just harder. And so I had a lot of time just with Mrs. Rogers, which I loved. And I asked her, I said, you know, as a young pastor's wife, could you give me any advice? And without a beat, she, she was like, I can give you three things. And I said, okay. And those three things, which I'll tell you about, have completely ministered to me in every season of my life as a pastor's wife and in different ways. And she said the three things with the first one was to give up your rights to God to understand why. And the second was to give up your rights to God to be understood And then the third one was to not pick up an offense. And those three things, you know, when she first told me that, I didn't really understand the third one. And as I, you know, realized that how often, especially in the church, where people will pick up an offense of another person, like you're in high school, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're mean to my buddy, I'm mean to you, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, (laughs) or some sort of high school revenge or click if you know what I'm saying where you know people you know their buddy will get upset with someone in the church and so then their whole group of friends become upset and so that idea of not being offended because someone else is offended but also giving god you know that right of offense and you know just being able to pray for somebody who's offensive um and then the second part was i always felt like um I'm an artist and I'm a writer, and that's not normally um, part of the pastor's wife (laughs) packet. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to just play the organ and wear a dress. (laughs) So I was very unique in my um, who I am. And so I was always feeling misunderstood. And so when she said that, I've often thought, okay, it's okay if people, you know, don't understand me as long as they see my heart for them and that heart, you know, which is from, from the Lord. And I think that that makes the challenging part of not seeing him
0: better. Yeah. Another thing the Lord's working on me for. So I, I think that is a powerful word from her. And I, I love that you've, uh, that you've been able to remember that all these years. And I'll just say, uh, after Pastor Rogers died, um, several years later, Miss, uh, Miss Joyce wrote a book called "Chosen to Be a Minister's Wife" that uh, is available in the Love Worth Finding bookstore, and I can put the, put a link in the show notes. But she covers things like that that are just really foundational principles, you know, like the things you just mentioned. And I remember one she talked about, she talked about a tragedy in their own life and how she just had to lean hard into Jesus. And, you know, after people who've been in ministry a long time, you know, they've seen things they've seen God do things and she's just got some wonderful words of wisdom to share.
1: She came in the first day I remember thinking I'm a young pastor's wife. I was so excited. Here's this, you know, monster-sized church. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't even know how many members were at the time, probably 20,000. And, you know, she's going to tell us, you know, really how to be better prayer warriors and how to study the Bible. And the first thing she said was, I'm not going to be teaching you how to pray or oh. study the Bible because really you're pastor's wives and you should already have that down
0: you know oh, wow. you should
1: already be doing these things and so she kind of started really with um more about loving our husbands taking care of her husbands they gave everybody this little tiny stuffed bear <laughs> and i remember thinking what is this and they started really kind of talking about their marriage and they called it their love bear and they would hide it around the house and different places like the car and the office and so um i think for years my husband and I we took that bear and did the same thing we had our own love bear um, but I think it got lost in one of the moves sadly we'll have to get another one
0: <laughs> yeah they talked about how you know she'd pack it in a suitcase sometime and <laughs> sneak it on trips and and it would pop up different places and that was just kind of a little secret I love you type thing they shared that was really sweet
1: yeah I think that's a great reminder I, I loved that and they used to go for walks together and I don't know if you're familiar with the compliment curve. Tell me a little you bit heard about, about that.
0: this. I don't remember that.
1: <laughs> I loved this. Apparently somewhere in their neighborhood where they walk, there was this curve. And every time that they passed this curve, um, they each would compliment one another. They would spend oh. the entire time during that part of the walk saying something they loved about the other person. Oh, and wow. I really love that because especially if you or your husband if your love language is encouragement that is so vital to filling their cup that's you know that's my husband's his his words of encouragement so you know even when I tell him he's a good husband he's like well how am I good (laughs) 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 he wants details so I have to be very creative at my compliments of him and my adjectives you know I'm always looking up synonyms and things to help him feel loved and appreciated.
0: Well, men really do um, thrive on words of affirmation. I think whether encouragement is their love language or not, I think, I, I know Greg, lots of times we'll hear people compliment him on a sermon or something and and so I won't say anything because I thought, I just heard five people tell you that was a great job. And he's like, but your opinion is the only one that matters to me. What did you think about it? So I've learned to really be proactive with simple compliments. Yeah. And Greg tells me sometimes he is well aware of when he messes up, he does not need me to <laughs> voice that too, you know? So uh, that that's not... Uh, <laughs> that's not well received when I give him what I think is helpful, constructive criticism. He's like, yeah, I already knew right. that. Tell me, tell me something good.
1: The funny part is I don't know how I forget it. You know, I mean, I'll be going along great and all of a sudden say something and be like, Oh wow. I should have said that.
0: I know. Um, well, can you remember any other ways that miss Joyce might've encouraged y'all to love your husbands and be supportive of your husband or maybe something you have have tried and um found to be effective um you know I know that that Mrs. Rogers
1: adored her husband I think that just they kept humor in their relationship which is something I think very important for marriages is to laugh together We'll watch clean comedies, which are kind of hard to find, or tell each other jokes or stories and, you know, try to even look at hard things in a humorous light. Mm-hmm. And Because so much keeping... of what they
0: deal with is heavy. So oh, humor is so important. Heavy.
1: And right now with the economy and politics and, you know, people just suffering, it's mm-hmm. been you know the calls and what people are going through right now and i know just in our community and like our gas bill went up 300 percent, just with no warning and so you know that's like 700 dollars for gas to heat your home and you know there's some real just you know trauma people are going through and of course losing people uh during the pandemic so I think that having your home be your sanctuary for them and trying your best to keep things peaceful and enjoyable. I'd have to say personally, one thing I've learned is timing. Timing is everything. You know, if there's something I need to discuss that may be more serious the time to talk to my husband is not at night when he's tired. He's just gotten home from church or office. series conversation, but I need to wait until you know he's rested. And 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 also, how I bring things up is very important. And I think a lot of that is probably one verse in the Bible that I memorize and love the most it would probably be Romans twelve twelve, which is be joyful and hope, patient and. Affliction and faithful in prayer, and you know, having hope and being patient during affliction, and really having both of those two things covered in prayer, including um, being a good wife. You know, I pray for myself to be a good mother and a good wife. So, I think I've, I've learned a lot about praying for strength for my husband and wisdom, and any situation that I know of that's coming up. Uh, another thing that's changed. I think over the time, and it's been important, and I think that young pastors wise, especially and young pastors need to know this is your wife doesn't need to know everything going on in the church. And she really doesn't need to know parts of the ugliness because when she goes to church and sees those people, <laughs> she may not be as good as her husband is at hiding her you know, face or her expression or wanting to not gossip or talk to them and say, how could you?
0: Or it impedes, it can impede our worship too, because we're concentrating and distracted by, I can't believe he said that to to my husband kind of stuff.
1: And that's, you know, that's very hard because we like the closeness and the intimacy that comes with them sharing with us. But I've learned over the years, really, you just don't need to know some things. It doesn't help Mm -hmm. you. You know, Mm -hmm. and unless it means y'all are going to have to find another position somewhere, you know, it really um, doesn't edify you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, I'll ask him what's going on, and he will say to me, "This won't edify you." And I've just gotten to the place where I'm like, okay, good. I don't want to know. You know, (laughs) (laughs) right?
0: And (laughs) we can still pray for our husbands and for our church families, even when we don't know all the details, because God, God does, and He commands me to. You know, he wants me to pray for him. He doesn't expect me to know all the specifics necessarily. Mm. I can still pray because the Holy Spirit knows.
1: And people and church members still think I know more than I do. And I'm very quick if someone says, well, I'm sure Greg told you this. And I'll say he did not. You know, Mm -hmm. he does not share with me, you know, what he counsels someone, you know, or private conversations. He doesn't tell me about those, you know, and so I think that they're taken aback often. They think that we talk about everything. And, um, and sometimes I believe they trust him more knowing that he's not sharing what they say to him with anyone. And so that in that sense, but it also is a bigger weight on my husband's shoulders that I pray for, Mm -hmm. you know, that he has wisdom and the strength to bear some of it alone.
0: Well, you know, you're talking about your husband working a lot. And I remember when When Greg was being called into the ministry, you know, he was uh, an attorney before, and I remember naively telling my mother, well, he couldn't possibly work any more hours than he (laughs) works right now, and, you know, little did I know, but the issue with ministry is it's like the only thing we have to talk about, especially now that the kids are grown and off on their own, is church stuff, and... Uh, that's, that's hard sometimes. And and then you really feel like you're constantly working and he doesn't get a mental break if we're Mm. constantly talking about church stuff when he's at home. So, uh, I have to remind myself sometimes let's, let's, let's talk about something different, (laughs) you know, give, give his mind. It is so
1: important. It is the break. And I wish I had learned it younger, you know, when we were married years ago. Um, just our own health mentally needed that, you know, Mm -hmm. break from feeling like, you know, you're already feel like you're married to the church and you're, you know, it's, that bond is so close and it's not like just being a church member, you know, you're responsible before God because you're in leadership. You know, when we go on vacations, we try to honor, you know, not talking about it. And our church is great. They don't really call us on his day off, which is a blessing. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: I think it's also easy to feel like all your interaction is about the church. And, you know, I think that if you can find new hobbies together, or I remember, this has been a year ago, our house flooded, uh, just a pipe burst. And it was like this herculean task because we had to have walls replaced and flooring and everything remodeling but i remember my son saying that's the that's the longest we've ever gone not talking about the church and i was (laughs) like my gosh that's so sad you know it's like wow you know so that was kind of convicting and
0: well and we do do have to remember our kids are listening to a lot of that Mm. too and I know when our kids were in the house, it's like, I know they were going, can we please talk about something else, you know? Mm -hmm. So,
1: yeah, they, you know, and how you talk about it around your children is that, you know, I think we've been more aware of being loving about people and really kind of changing our worldview to see them as needing just as much as we need the Lord, you know, that we have hurt, that they have, these people have hurt and that they as well, you know, need ministry and help. And that perspective, I think, is, um, is really important to pass on to children or they're not going to want to be in church. You know, if all they
0: ever hear is the strife, why do they want that? Right. You know, so. Right. And as kids, it's hard for them to separate the ministry aspect from the frustration aspect, I think.
1: Well, and they love us and you love your parents and you um, they are. It's easy for them to pick up the offense as well,
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. you know, um, towards someone at church that's hurt, daddy, or who's, you know. Um, so we always try to make sure that any of that kind of discussion is covered with either not telling a name or that they need prayer, and we'll stop and pray for them. Have our, you know, child involved in that prayer. You know, we're mm-hmm. praying for this person who you know, all they want to do is be divisive or cause problems. And that's not what God wants in his church. So that's, um, that's, I think really vital with children, you know, teaching them to stop and pray. You know, it is, it
0: does cost us as wives for our husbands to, to be ministers. And, uh, you know, my dad was home every single day at five o'clock and he never worked on Saturdays. He never worked on Sundays. Um, It did not cost his family much for him to Mm. do his vocation, but Mm -hmm. it cost you know just like we were talking about military a minute ago. It cost us. It cost our children. It cost our mothers on Mother's Day. It cost our fathers on Father's Day. It costs you know our families when we can't be with them on Christmas, especially when Christmas is on a Sunday like it was this past year. You know, the the working you know, the family is, we're, we're paying some costs too, for our husbands to, to do what God has called them to do. And, uh, there's some. We're not in that bitter about it. And that's a huge, you know, thing you have to ward against, I think. Yes. Yes. It's real easy for us, for me. I'll just say it's real easy for me to, uh, grow bitterness in my little garden <laughs> so we do have and to be you know and to
1: ask the lord to help root it out you know yes. i i have the most unusual prayers at this age and time of my life yeah. and i'm just sometimes i'm like forgive me lord this is a weird prayer but you know it's <laughs> you know just thankfully he, he knows us and he loves us beyond us and that's a beautiful thing.
0: Okay, well that that's that's interesting. That's something else I wanted to talk about. Um you know the fact that you're in California and you alluded a minute ago about, you know, this is not the Bible Belt and you know, I grew up in the Bible Belt and there's a a tradition of church culture, you know, even people who um maybe aren't living for the Lord, they still understand and appreciate church culture and you know a lot of people have grown up in church but i know that's not true everywhere and um last year we lived in Nashville and i was in a bible study with several ladies who had recently relocated from california to middle tennessee um and i asked them you know what brought you here and and they were talking and they said well we were just kind of tired of being the only people around who believed like we did and <laughs> um and so I know y'all have lived in California, what'd you say, ten years?
1: This is yeah, our tenth years now, yeah.
0: Okay. So y'all have been there quite a while. So what are some of the unique challenges to that area? Because I know California, I mean the rest of the country kinda makes fun of crazy California people. But um (laughs) But I'm just thrilled to hear you say that y'all are seeing a lot of people saved. So how do you have to do ministry differently in that type of a area, a region, than maybe you had to do in Atlanta or, you know, other more traditionally churched places? What has been more challenging about the California ministry?
1: Well, um, well, you know, I grew up, I was born in Atlanta, and my father was a pastor and so and also an evangelist um and pretty much you know your if your parents went to church, you go to church mm-hmm. and or it's kind of seen like joining the junior league or being in rotary, you go to church, and you know it's cultural right. and traditional and out here, you don't go to church, so for someone to go to church, it is that God has gotten hold of their life, really. Now, you 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 have some people here, of course, that it's tradition. But you also have the majority of the people who are dissuaded from going to church, who are persecuted if they become Christians. Even that just continues to grow. Um, we also live in the wine country. And we're a Baptist church, so we're teetotalers. And so... <laughs> We we definitely are like what kind of like you know, an odd duck
0: there, aren't you? Drink?
1: <laughs> exactly, and you know there's a whole lot of other social issues that we don't abide by biblically because you know we're definitely biblically based, you know, Southern Baptist Church, but we've also learned just the power of God's love and loving people and. You know, it is not unusual for me to be mentoring someone who is, you know, just coming off, uh, you know, a serious meth addiction or, you know, ministering to somebody with purple hair and multiple nose rings and everyone has tattoos. So it's a very different just atmosphere, but it, it's the same heart. You know, we all have a God-shaped vacuum. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where you're from or what you look like or, you know, the music you look, listen to or how much wine you drink, you've got that God-shaped vacuum and only Jesus is going to fill that. So, you
0: know, that's that need. Well, if if going to church is not part of the California culture where y'all are, then does that mean um, you said they... Pretty much only come to church once God's gotten a hold of them or they've gotten saved. So does that mean y'all must have a pretty evangelistic outreach or perspective? You know that you're reaching people outside of the church and then they meet the Lord and then they come into the church.
1: Yes, we um we do uh, faith evangelism and we also are involved in the community in a lot of ways. You know, my husband was president of his rotary group for a while. And I believe he's probably invited everybody in rotary to church. So, um, and we have people in the community. The mayor is about to come speak to our men's group and, you know, we'll have different people in leadership. The, the sheriff of the, of the County would come in and speak to our church and we just encourage people to invite everyone. We have a live nativity at Christmas time, which has grown. It was started 40 years ago, actually, I think almost 40 years. I think we're at the 37th anniversary. And it's an outdoor drama. And we actually bring in like stadium risers. And each year we have about 3,000 people that come. Oh wow. And just so, from the community. Just from the community and people drive from Sacramento, San Francisco, um, Oakland, all over to come. Mm-hmm. And we you know use that time to also find people in the community to go visit and invite to church.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that is a, a you know in the, here in the, the south sometimes we kind of get lazy and think well, you know, people are already in church or people are already Christians because it's kind of so permeates our society, or at least it used to, it's not as much as it, as it used to be. But, um, sometimes that makes us a little less, um, evangelistic than we, we should be, than probably people are aware of in a less churched area. So I agree with that. And it's very, um, times are
1: changing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Our kids and their kids, um, church is no longer a priority. We're all going to have to be California (laughs) evangelicals eventually. I heard this great illustration once where someone said, you know, when you turn on a light switch in a dark room, there's not a battle going on. Mm -hmm. You turn the light switch on and you don't see a dark figure and a light figure struggling to see who's going to win. The light wins the light wins. And I've just always loved that word picture of the light switch and the light going on and dispelling that darkness. You know, when you live somewhere like California, where you are surrounded and, you know, this is the, we live in the least churched area in the entire country. And I consider it to be kind of a mission field, really.
0: And being on the front lines. Well, I am, I I just think that's a a, a nice place to, I think that's a good place to end. And, um, I, I appreciate you sharing your story and your heart with us and the wisdom you've gleaned over the years and also the exciting things that God is doing in your community mm. through your, um, your ministry at this church. And, um, it's always wonderful to celebrate, you know, God at work in, in, the uh, in people's lives and in people's churches and communities so thank you for for sharing some of that with us today malone i appreciate it
1: it's been an honor and i appreciate you including me in this this is wonderful
0: yeah well to all of you ministry wives out there i want to thank you too for stopping by and uh isn't it good to have conversations about stuff that's just part of ministry life if you're feeling like hey those are my people when you hang out with us then please leave a short review for the Married to the Ministry podcast. That would be a huge boost for us, especially since we're just getting started. Plus, it can help other ministry wives connect with our group. So think about doing that, please. And uh, until next time, let's keep loving Jesus, loving our husbands, and loving our people.